Salam guys, I'm Mohsin. Welcome to this episode of Millionaire Muslim. Before we get into this episode, we just wanted to spend a few seconds telling you about Islamic Finance Guru, or IFG for short. Mohsin and I co-founded IFG in 2015 because we couldn't find content about personal finance and Islamic finance for Muslims like you and I. Nowadays, alhamdulillah, we reach an audience of hundreds of thousands and our goal is to keep providing great content to help you guys. So if you're looking for halal investments and Islamic mortgages or startup funding, check us out at islamicfinanceguru.com. And if you want to get in touch with us directly, you can get me on mohsin at islamicfinanceguru.com and you can get Ibrahim on ibrahim at islamicfinanceguru.com. Enjoy the episode. Looking for a different approach to money? Meet Gatehouse Bank, a Sharia-compliant UK bank built for the modern world. We help home buyers to purchase or refinance their home, provide buy-to-let funding for landlords, and offer award-winning savings accounts. Wherever you're going, get there a different way. Get there with Gatehouse. To find out more, visit gatehousebank.com. Before we dive in, I'd just like to say a quick thank you to our sponsor, PensionBee. They have helped over 70,000 customers be pension confident by helping them transfer their old pensions together into one simple online plan. They also have a great Sharia compliant pension option as well, which is why we personally really like them. And you can check out a review of their offering on the Sharia side on our website. Welcome to the IFG Weekly Tafsir. I am your host, Khidr Muhammad, the community lead at IFG. And today we're going to be going over a verse from Surah An-Nisa, the verse number 36. So inshallah, I will recite that for you now. A'udhu billahi minash shaytanir rajeem. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. وَاعْبُدُوا اللَّهَ وَلَا تُشْرِكُوا بِهِ شَيْئًا وَبِالْوَالِدَيْنِ إِحْسَانًا وَبِذِي الْقُرْبَى وَالْيَتَامَى وَالْمَسَاكِينِ الْجَارِذِ الْقُرْبَى جَارِذِ الْقُرْبَى وَجَارِ الْجُنُبِ وَصَاحِبِ بِالْجَنبِ وَابْنِ السَّبِيلِ وَابْنِ السَّبِيلِ وَمَا مَلَكَتْ أَيْمَانُكُمْ إِنَّ اللَّهَ لَا يُحِبُّ مَنْ كَانَ مُخْتَالًا The translation for that verse is Worship Allah alone and associate none with Him and be kind to parents, relatives, orphans, the poor, the near and distant neighbours, close friends, needy travellers and those bondspeople in your possession. Surely Allah does not like whoever is arrogant and boastful. It's a very um, interesting verse because usually, to give some context to this verse, we need to understand that Jahili society, we're talking about, you know, Mecca, Medina, back then in the time of Jahiliya, your family and the people you looked out for was your tribe and exclusively your tribe. If you didn't have a tribe looking out for you, you were free game for anyone to abuse or mistreat and no one would defend you. And that's the context of this verse. So now what we have is Allah has given certain commands to the Muslims. Now, we see that this verse is actually part of a wider range of verses within Surah An-Nisa, which deal with social ties within the Muslim community. 
that go beyond family. So beyond that tribal boundary, you could say. And there is a theme of caring for people beyond family. Like I said, in Jahili society, this was not that noble, especially when, you know, having your parents and the slaves in the same verse, like putting them on the same pedestal almost was quite unusual for the pagan Arabs. So this verse came to kind of destroy those last remnants of uh, Jahiliya and extend love and protection to all around, to all the people around you. It goes in order. So let's go through that, inshallah. So the verse starts with worship Allah alone, because ultimately the main aim, the main message of Islam, you could say, is Tawheed. The most important message is to worship Allah alone, not with any partners or and not to reject him either. So that's the number one condition. So and not associate none with him so that the verse goes on. Then it carries on. Actually, before that, it's worth mentioning that people by their nature are motivated to look after people of interest. If you can gain something from someone, you're more likely to look after them. So you're not likely, the people would not look after orphans and slaves because you can't gain anything from an orphan. You can't gain anything from a slave. You can't gain anything from like weary travelers because they don't even live in the land. How are they going to pay you? How are you going to benefit from them? What gain is there to look after people other than your own people or people that are at least in your vicinity where you can kind of cash that favor in one day? So one thing in Islam, and the scholars kind of mentioned this, is that the reason that the verse starts with Tawheed is because what will really motivate people to fulfill their rights towards others and be kind to them purely from a selfish perspective is fear of Allah, taqwa. If they have that God consciousness, you're more likely because you know you'll be judged based on what you did or didn't do. So if you usurped someone's rights, you know you're going to be judged on that. You know that it's going to come back to bite you. So therefore, people are more likely to respect and show kindness to the aforementioned categories. So after commanding the people towards Tawheed, the verse then moves on to parents. Now, this seems like an obvious trait, but as we can see in modern society, it's not that easy looking after parents. And why do we say that? It's because we can see that people, once their parents grow old, what do they do? They stick them in the old age house and forget about them. They'll visit them once a week, once every two weeks, then maybe once a month, then, you know, here on Christmas or, or whatever. And you can see Muslims are following these trends as well. Many Muslims are doing the same things. And you hear atrocious stories of Muslims, you know, actually cursing their parents or doing horrible things to them. And why is this? Because what the scholars mention is the younger generation, often we direct our focus and attention to what's coming, not what has passed. We direct our focus towards children, for example, because they're the next generation. And you know that when they grow up, you'll need their help and that they're the future of the world, really. So we'll focus on children. We'll focus on what's in front of us and what's coming up in our lives. But we won't forget. We won't focus on our parents who now that we've left the nest, we're not worried about them because we're like, OK, we've got what we want from them. So the Quran here is saying that, no, you have to focus on those behind you as well as those in front of you. So then after parents, 
it goes on to relatives because that is the natural order of people you would naturally extend kindness to. Because after your parents and maybe your children, who would you go to? It's your immediate blood relatives. And for the Jahili Arabs, this was also a lot more normal as well because your close relatives. Now, what are your relatives? This can, you can go pretty wide and effectively you can classify the whole of humanity as your relatives. And that's what we Muslims sort of assert in many ways. Then after that, it goes to say orphans and the needy before neighbors. And now an interesting thing the scholars mention here is that the reason that it mentions the orphans and needy before the neighbors, even though in Islam we know neighbors have huge rights over us, is because the orphans and the needy, usually they are disadvantaged and their needs may be more pressing than those close to us. So the Quran lists them first. Then it says neighbors. The scholars interpret neighbors near and far as well in the verse. So this can mean that you're, some scholars say that the neighbors closest to you, you're meant to be give them more right than the neighbors that are further away. And there's different discussions about that. But generally, it's understood that your neighbors have a right to you. So how many of us, like I will extend this forward, that how many of us actually make an effort to know our neighbors, to be kind to them, to show them some kindness, show them some love, how many of us even know our neighbors? Do you know the names of the people that live around you? Do you know how many children they have? Do you know how many people live in that household? When a tragedy goes on in the neighborhood, are you one of those people that finds out or not? This is something in Islam that, especially I can speak from a perspective of a Londoner, that this doesn't exist in London. Very few people make an effort to befriend their neighbors or be close to them. That's a big failing on our part. That's a big failing. And it's a command in the Quran here plain to see for everyone so it's something that we fail at and i'll bring this back to why all of this verse kind of summarizes how we can build a good society at the end of this uh, short tafsir or tadabbur i should say then after that it says then those at your side now some people some ulama translate this as being those that are your traveling companions or those that are you know, close friends. But really, many ulama say, this is for those people that literally are around you. So that means your office co-workers, your colleagues, the people that are on the bus with you. That means, you know, when you're walking in the shops or anything and there's people around you, that includes them. And it's saying here that to treat them with kindness, to be kind to them. Why is this the general rule? Why? Because, well, these people are people that, like, again, you probably will get no benefit from. The people on the bus, the people walking on the street. You'll never be able to gain anything from those people. So why are you showing them kindness? It's because this is all part of creating a social framework where everyone is helpful to one another. So these are your colleagues. These are your, you know, people on the bus, people on the street, people in the shops. But many of us, we don't regard them we don't think about them we don't think about their convenience or inconvenience we do whatever we want and whether it inconveniences them or not and that's not the way a muslim should act allah here is telling us 
that we should treat them with kindness. And what being kind means, it means being considerate towards them. So if you, for example, see on a bus, you see an old lady and there's no seats available and you've got a seat, maybe if you're a young, fit person, then maybe you should offer your seat to that old lady out of kindness and consideration for them. If you can see, for example, a mother is struggling with her children to get off the bus because she's got a big buggy and she's got a couple kids with her and she's got shopping, maybe lend her a hand. That's showing consideration. That's showing kindness. And it's all part of building a just society, a society where people care about each other, where everyone can get along and kind of, you know, makes life a little bit easier than when people are inconsiderate. The next category that is mentioned is of the stranded traveler. Now, again, the stranded traveler is followed by, lastly, the slaves. And these are two people that, like the previous kind of categories, you don't have much to gain from a stranded person. You don't have much to gain from slaves, for example. Back then, I mean, alhamdulillah, you know, slavery is abolished now. But back then, it was a case where these were considered like not even human by many people. So there was very little to gain from this. Yet Allah in the Quran commands us to show kindness to these people, regardless of all of that. And what does kindness look like? It means doing the little things. It means, you know, if you see a slave is overworked, maybe give them some food. I know this doesn't really apply nowadays, but you could easily apply this to, say, for example, maids. Or, you know, many people employ maids. Many people in the Middle East have many servants. So we can apply, not saying that they're slaves or anything, but we can apply the rules of kindness to them. And we should extend that to them. And same with stranded travelers, because think about it conversely. If you were an orphan, if you were a poor person, if you were a stranded traveler and you had no money, you got robbed or something, na'udhu billah, inshallah, that never happens. But you lose all your money and you need to get home and you're you know five hours away from home in, in a city you don't really know much about. You would long that Allah blesses you with someone who will donate you enough money to, um, you know, buy a train ticket or gives you a hot meal for the day, you know, a place to sleep so that you can continue traveling the next day. Or, you know, for an orphan who's someone who's lost his parents, just to feel someone that would, you know, kind of treat you with a bit of kindness goes a long way. So that's the verse. And Allah concludes it by saying that Allah does not love whoever is arrogant or boastful. Why? Because people often especially the Jahili Arabs, but this very much extends to nowadays, is that people considered themselves superior to these aforementioned categories in many ways. Once the parents were old, many people didn't show them respect, especially if they weren't from your tribe in Jahili Arab times. Of course, they were shown respect to their own parents, but other elderly people, maybe not so much. But even here, we can see it. The elderly are not shown respect. People don't show their parents respect. People don't show their neighbors any respect. They don't help their neighbors out when they need help. You know, no one looks after orphans. People look down at the needy people, at the stranded traveler, at servants, at waiters. People have no regard or consideration for people on the bus or on the train or in the shops. They'll play their music out loudly. They'll, you know, eat smelly food that will like, you know, disturb everyone else on the bus. When, you know, a group of guys or a group of girls are together, they'll laugh loudly and basically cause a bit of a scene on the streets and out and about, basically being inconsiderate about others. And Allah is saying that Allah does not love those that are arrogant and boastful. In other words, these character traits are inherent in those people that look down 
at the neighbors that look down at distant relatives that look down at poor people that look down at orphans so allah here is saying to us that he does not like these people and what does that mean if allah does not like you that is not a good thing by any stretch of the word that is almost damnation that should concern all of us that's our creator imagine your parents said to you i don't like you that is deeply hurtful and allah is a billion times closer to you than your parents so his love is something that we should concern ourselves with and lastly i'll conclude on this point we all want to see an ideal world a world that's much better for everyone we want to see a world of kindness and sometimes life doesn't treat us very kindly but if we endeavor to change ourselves that's one part that's one block or one piece of the puzzle corrected in this giant web of society this giant puzzle that makes up the whole world if we reform ourselves and everyone focuses on reforming themselves then slowly but surely we can reform society and we can create a society where people care about each other where people look after each other and where people are considerate about all those around them their parents their children their relatives their neighbors the poor the orphans the needy you know servants and those generally all around them so an action point that we can take from this verse and I'll conclude this with this I promise is that let's make an effort to be that person to be take that first step to be kinder to people sometimes people might not treat us right but that doesn't mean that we should treat others badly under the assumption that they're all going to treat us badly so with that we conclude our talk everything that i said that was correct was from allah and anything that i said that was incorrect was from shaitan and myself so forgive me if you benefited from this then make sure you share this live video if you're on instagram or tell other people to listen to this inshallah it will also be converted into a podcast and with that we conclude today's weekly tafsir jazakallahu khairan for all that joined us today and inshallah assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh If you got this far you must have enjoyed the podcast which means you'll definitely love our other episodes and other content we produce as well inshallah. Be sure to check out the website islamicfinanceguru.com as well as our YouTube channel and social media. Until next time assalamu alaikum.